Welcome back to Mathematically Speaking. I'm your host, Adam Allred. In case you were ever wondering what math, cults, and beans had in common, then you found the right show to listen to. Today, astrology is popular in the mainstream sort of sense, some taking it to varying, varying degrees of seriousness, and it's becoming its own sort of pseudo-religion. But astrology is nothing new, but a sibling to astrology was numerology, the belief that numbers have inherent meaning, for example, the number two was masculinity, at least to the Greeks. You can go online and take some tests and find out which numbers are important to you, sort of like a star sign. So of course, since I'm a dedicated host, I took one of those tests. My life path number is seven, which I guess means I'm analytical and drawn to the mysteries of the universe. And there are so many more numbers that I guess dictate your life, but I don't want to go through a full number chart here. And these read similar to astrology readings. Or... But what if a bunch of people today started an actual cult around astrology? They decided to all live together, all study the same things, with astrology being the underlying theme. And if someone went against them, maybe they were sacrificed or banished? Well, we can sort of understand how this would work, because back in the early 100s BC, Pythagoras did the exact thing. He had a cult around numerology. I'll try to get to that weird stuff about him and his followers but before the episode ends. But first, the math stuff. Because that's why you're all here, right? Now, he may be the most well-known mathematician to anyone due to, due to the Pythagorean theorem. But as we went over, it is very unlikely that he, he invented it. Instead of just formalizing it. But the Greeks were the first to formalize a lot of math. Not Egypt didn't really care about that that much, so most of the things they knew was probably already known before. Again, we are already seeing the importance, the importance of proof to the mathematical community. But there is one thing that's different from other proofs for the proof of the Pythagorean theorem. It's the only one that you can prove by picture. In fact, it's been proven in over 208 different ways. And it's fairly common that math gets the, the proofs are done in different ways to get the same result as a sort of solidifying its correctness. The mathematician Friedrich Gauss didn't believe that he understood something until he has he had proven it more than once. He once proved his pinnacle work eight different ways before he was satisfied. But back to Thag Pythagoras, he was a weird guy. Like. He had a fear of beans weird, and made all of his followers vegetarians, forbidding the consumption of meat. But in terms of Pythagoras, all that stuff isn't that weird. His cult following were known as the Pythagoreans, and their motto was, all is number. Their goal was to quantify everything. We still sort of hold this ideal, which is a direct influence from them, but they took it another step further. They had numbers for ideals, like the number six, which was justice. The number one was godlike, and you never did math with the number one. As mentioned before, the number two was masculine, the number three was feminine, which made the number five a sacred number, since it's the sum of two and three, combining of masculine and feminine. Squares were the number four, and so on and so on. They believed that these numbers existed in reality, like the number six was not just a concept of the product of two and three, or the sum of two threes, but it itself existed independent of the other numbers. These numbers existed in the world of forms that I keep mentioning, 
this particular cult studied just three things, math, music, and astronomy. Math and astronomy sort of make sense since they were so tied together back then. If you were an astronomer, then you were a mathematician and vice versa. But what about music? Music was actually the final tier in their hierarchy of math. It went to arithmetic, geometry, astronomy, and then music. Music may as well just been math that is nice to listen to, similar to this podcast. Remember, all is number. And in particular, everything is a rational number or a ratio. And this cult of mathematicians would study the correlation between number and music. They would pluck strings of various lengths and notice which strings produce the most appealing or most harmonic notes. This series of notes turned into the harmonic series. It is the sum of every fraction, so it's one plus a half plus a third plus a fourth and so on till infinity. And these notes follow the pattern of a sine function, if you ever took trig. If the number on top of these fractions is a one, then it is called the fundamental harmonic series. Increasing the number on top increases the octave by one. So two plus one plus two thirds plus two fourths and so on is one octave higher than the original. This connection between music and math has gone so far as some composers putting the golden ratio in their music. And this is what it would sound like. Now back to the cult stuff. Part of what makes a cult a cult is that they is what they do to dissidents. So how are you a dissident in a math cult? You break down its metaphysical foundation. Remember, all is number. So what happens when someone finds a number that isn't rational? Murder, banishment, or you're just told to leave? It's unclear, but here is what happened. Take a square of side lengths of one. It's called the unit square. You have two options here. The diagonal that cuts it into two triangles is either of length one or a number that divides one that isn't rational. Well, the length of that diagonal is the number of the square root of two. You take out your phone and on the calculator find the square root of two you'll see it's a really long decimal. The better the calculator, the more decimals you'll get, because this number never ends. It's sort of like pi. If this number never ends, then it can't be written as a fraction, which means it isn't rational. So one of the followers of Pythagoras discovered this, brought these results forward, and shattered their entire world. So they got rid of him. The most brutal telling of how they did this is that they sacrificed him and burned him alive. Uh, but this split the Pythagoreans into two groups. One group remained more traditional, and the other group adapted to accept these new numbers. Their impact is still immeasurable. Arguably more so than the impact of Francis Bacon and his scientific method. This idea 
that they set up that everything can be quantified is still around. And if we didn't think everything could be quantified, maybe we wouldn't have gotten to the scientific method. This attempt to attach a number to everything has had some great and not so great side effects. The great stuff is somewhat obvious, just look at all the discoveries in science and mathematics. But quantifiable information does not allow for wiggle room. And in some sort of an indirect way, we have become trained to think only in a binary. If you're trying to quantify everything, then you are either right or wrong. The number you get accurately depicts the scenario that you're trying to have it depict, or it doesn't. Qualitative information allows for wiggle room, and there can be several correct assessments if you are trying to depict something with just words. Since we hold numbers to such a high esteem, as soon as we place something onto a binary, we are very reluctant to take it off of that binary. And because the answer is either yes or no, one or zero, it is very easy to understand, and it doesn't disrupt the way that we have thought about the world. We do not allow ourselves to think both sides of something can be partially correct. This is, of course, excluding the situations with extreme ideology. Could be obvious, I just want to mention that. But this leaves us with a question. Should we attempt to quantify everything? Or do you even think we can? Let me know on Twitter or Facebook, and thank you for listening. If you want to listen more of this kind of topic, then I highly recommend you listen to the show called Hi-Fi Nation, Season 2, Episode 3, titled Drowned at Sea. Great show, great episode. Used it put, I used it to put this episode together, and Barry Lamb is a great host. Thank you again for listening. Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying the show. Just a quick pause to let you know that if you have any questions or comments and you'd like them to be on the show, feel free to leave me a voice message. The link for that should be in the show notes. If you want to leave me a message, you can find me on Instagram at Adam underscore Elisha, on Twitter at Mathematically Speaking, and there's now a Facebook group called Mathematically Speaking where we're going to be having discussions after every show, and I'll be posting episodes there about a day early. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show.